Hello and welcome back to the Whatnots review show number 268, where each week we have a different story to talk about. Could be a comic, a movie, an anime, a TV show, an audio drama, all sorts of stuff. We read it, we watch it, we come back here and we talk about it. My name is Kyle Springer and I am joined by Melissa Wilkinson. Melissa, how are you yes. on this fine Sunday morning? I'm doing well. It's National Cinema Day. Are you going to the theater for your four dollar oh. tickets? I I am not, but I went yesterday. Uh, for uh -huh. I I guess you could say my like one dollar two tickets. I only have to pay for the convenience fee because I'm already paying them that subscription uh oh, thing a month. Right. So, yeah. Um, I went went to go see Gran Turismo. Yeah, I'm doing that today. I was able to get I was able to get 4DX tickets as Ooh. part of the $4 National Cinema Day promotion. Nice. Nice. That, that that'll be interesting. I'm excited to hear your thoughts on that because so as so as you, you know, I like to keep track of all of the stuff that I read and watch and I have a big long mm. list and as I'm going through, I mark all of the stuff that like this one was my favorite, whether it was like new to me or 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 just new that that year, I mark it with a little like fire emoji. <laughs> That's a good like, idea. This one, was, this one was fire. Hell yeah. Um <laughs> Surprisingly, I marked Gran Turismo. I was very surprised by this movie, so I'm excited to hear your thoughts. Um, but it, yeah, it, it, I'll not say anything okay. else except for I was very surprised. Um, All right. Yeah, I'm ex excited. Good stuff. Good stuff. But yeah, National Cinema Day, man. Yeah, I, I, I saw that they were having that promotion um but didn't didn't think to see ex exactly what day it is but i guess today the 27th man yeah uh i have fandango and every local movie theater chains app on my phone so i got mm. so many notifications and emails about this because i refuse to miss <laughs> a deal on movie tickets because i don't have one brand loyalty i cycle around i gotta visit all the local theaters they each sure. have their own special feelings and vibes for different movies i've got one i go to for big blockbusters i've got one i go to for horror because it's like it you drive through more woods when you have to go to that theater ah yes so i'm surfing around and i always look out for the deals good stuff uh well uh I, i'm gonna say speaking of deals or going through scary forests or something like that i don't think yeah. they're good uh segues but this week here on the review show is the start of a new monthly ongoing series um this one will last us through the end of the year we don't do one in december so through the end of november um is is when this one will take us to uh but we are starting our journey reading hellboy uh today we'll be talking about the first three volumes um and then in we'll, we'll, i think it's three volumes each for the next four months here so I'm super excited about that uh, Mike Mignola's hellboy is something I've always 
it enjoyed in theory because this is kind of a blind <laughs> yeah. spot uh, in my comic book reading. Uh, like I, I, I have a ton of comics. All my bookshelves are filled with comics and stuff like that. But Hellboy was one of those things of like even a. It, it it felt like even a decade ago when I kind of was starting to get back, I guess, over a de 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 decade now, when I was starting to get back into comics, Hellboy felt daunting then of just like, <laughs> there's a lot of it or I'm not sure like what the reading order is, all that stuff. I know mm -hmm. there's some people who want you to read certain things first oh. and, and st stuff like that. Uh, and so I kind of shied away from it, being like, I'll get there one day. I, and I kind of never did, so I'm glad we're doing it here on the podcast, and I can just be like, all right, here we go, volumes one through three, let's start. Um, and yeah, I'm excited. Melissa, how, I know you've seen the live action Miyavis. Yes. Is that your totality of experience with Hellboy. Yeah, uh, my brothers are both big comics nerds who love Hellboy, so I hear a lot about it from them. Uh, cool. My niece, when she was little, a little toddler, my brother gave her like little stuffed, you know, chibi, cute Hellboy and Abe toys to play with. She did like them. So That's the whole family <laughs> loves Hellboy and his friends. Good stuff. Good like it's got a comics, right? Right. The books have a really right? distinctive art style. Like even not being a comics reader, if you've seen it once, you can always identify. Oh, that's original Mignola Hellboy. Yeah. I have always been intrigued by them. I was happy when you proposed these as our next ongoing monthly series. Like, I do enjoy the the boys' company. Let's really get to know them. Absolutely. Yeah, I've um, I've seen all the live action movies. I know Yeo and I did a spoiler cast for the newer live action um, one, which was, you know, <laughs> it was fine. But I love Middling. those. Yeah, I, 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 I really, really enjoy those first two live action ones with Ron Perlman. Yes. I thought those were fantastic. Um, I've seen one of the animated movies, I think. Yes. Uh, I don't really remember it because it was so long ago. Um, but I yes. remember I know I've also kind of enjoying like, that too. I've seen my brother see it. I, I sure. can't say I've seen it personally myself. You saw about like 30 seconds of it when you walked in right. the room and was like, oh, you're like, that's oh, it's Hellboy. Hellboy. And then walked yeah. away. Yeah. <laughs> I know him. <laughs> Cool. Yeah, I I I'm excited to d dive into this because uh, I know outside of what we are reading for these monthly specials, there's still a lot more Hellboy for us to eventually yeah. get into one day. There's Hellboy in the BPRD. There's BPRD comics. There's Hellboy in Hell. There's Abe Sapien comics. There's Lobster Johnson comics. There's all sorts of stuff, <laughs> uh, right? There's, there's so much um, just like of Hellboy and the world he inhabits. Um so, yeah, I'm excited to start talking about Hellboy. Melissa, now that you have read the first three volumes, what'd you think? What was your experience like? 
these are a real vibe. I'm going to tell you, I, I I did not pay super attention to the stories. I was there That's for just fair. the artwork, the atmosphere, the experience of it all. I can't recount to you exactly what Rasputin was doing here or what he wanted. But Rasputin was here. Yeah, he was indeed. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one because the, the, the first two volumes are story based. It's like hell always origin and then kind of, uh, you know, we skip ahead to modern day times uh, and we get to see what he's up to now. And then volume three is a collection of short stories that kind of jump around from time period to time period. So... We've gotten a little bit of story, but not much. And knowing that Hellboy often has this like rich mythology of characters, and they reference this one thing, and then you get to read about it in this other comic over he- here and do all that that stuff. I feel like yeah, I'm just kind of along for the ride. I I don't know if much has like stuck yet in. T- terms of like okay here's the story right um mm. but we're getting there uh and yeah. i i really enjoyed these first three volumes um it, there's just it 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 kind of surprised me to know that at least in volume one that john Byrne was were working on the scripts uh for this um I I kind of know John Byrne from his work on Superman in the okay. post-crisis uh, era of DC comics. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's such a, like, it, in a weird way, it was deeper into all of the references that it was getting into. That's not the right way to say it. It, like... <sighs> I feel like in one of the forewords to these comics in 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 the volumes they were talking about just like how much influences went into all of this stuff right you have I can imagine science, so yeah you have fantasy you have lovecraft you have this you have that you have Jack Kirby over here you have that like all it goes all in and I think in I, th- I think they mentioned something along the lines of like in the hands of a lesser creator, it probably would have just read as references to those things. And it's like, oh, we checked off the box for this thing. <laughs> we checked off the box yeah. for that thing. But what Mignola has created here, it just feels entirely new. The way he weaves in and out. It's like, okay, I mentioned something Lovecraftian, but then yeah. we're back over here to Jack Kirby. Then we're over here to some Nazi science experiment, and and like it just weaves in and out and folklore and myth, and it feels new. It feels cohesive, even though he's just kind of like this shot gun of what all can we kind of pull in here, and I think that's fascinating. Um, Yeah, the. All the different folklore and cultural elements in this does feel very organic. Now, even when like Baba Yaga on her like chicken like house shows up, nothing feels out of place. Everything feels like it could go here. Yeah. And I think that I, is real craft. Yeah. And I, I think especially 
like at the end of volume two when we're, we're still barely into the story uh and then we get this third volume of short stories it just feels like right off the bat Minyel has a sense of the world that he wants, the world that he has created. Like he just, it doesn't feel like he's still trying to find his footing with this stuff, uh, which I think is a huge accomplishment. So, absolutely. I got to tell you, I didn't read the forewords because they hurt my eyes. Because I'm reading these on Comixology Unlimited, and it's very tiny, bright white text over a black in. background. I, I probably could have. I'm like, Kyle will read these and tell me what parts are important. If I had these on paper, I, w- I would read them. If yeah. I remembered to go get like my blue light glasses, I probably would have read them. I just sure, looked at yeah. it. And I'm like, ah, no. <laughs> Let me go on to the I, artwork. The, the peaceful, I, dark artwork. I only read the first two. Uh, I did not read the third one. I, I don't know why I decided to skip that third one. Um, but the second one is by Alan Moore. Yeah. There you go. Shout out to Alan Moore. Yeah. Do you have any other kind of like stuff that you wanted to say about that? Or should we jump into the synopsis of these first two here? There's not a person alive who cares less if you shout them out than Alan Moore. <laughs> right, <yeah. laughs> True. Or ants True. to that man. <laughs> ah, indeed. Um, but, but yeah, any other kind of Hellboy related stuff that you want to say stuff about your experience uh, before we get into a I, quick plot synopsis? I, I really enjoyed them. Yeah, I think they are. You can see very quickly, like, who Hellboy is and what he does and what his job is. I like that there is the backbone of, I have a job. I work for an agency. I go out on these cases, on these missions, and it can feel sort of procedural, but in a good way, where you're mm-hmm. like, I don't, I, I, I put on, if a person put on Law and Order SVU for background noise, they're like, I don't know what the deal is with this murder, but I know Olivia Benson and like, she's got him. And I can, I can feel like that. I don't need to know the details of every different mythological monster and homunculi that Hellboy encounters. I know Hellboy. I know he's going to solve it. I'm just along for the ride here. Yeah. I, I think something else that I really enjoyed is I, I kind of already mentioned just how, seamlessly he waves through all of this folklore and mythology and stuff like that uh but how like over serious some of these villains can be with their like like religious almost book of revelation style like villain monologues and how just (laughs) this whole thing just pulls you right back out it's just like just shut up already like let me just punch you right (laughs) Um, a man of the people hell boy he he really is right he's he's not engaging with them on that kind of vocabulary per se even though he knows it and recognizes it 
but he he fits in with them just in the way he looks, his or origin mm. story, and he's he's just tired, right? He's just like, Ugh, yes, just I just look, let me punch you and get this over with, please. I have a, a yes. gun because I'm t- trying to be modern <laughs> and just get this over faster, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I I enjo- enjoyed it a lot. Um, but yeah, let's do a quick plot synopsis uh, of these first couple volumes, uh, and then we can go ahead and do some housekeeping and then dive into the books a little bit further. I think that'll be good. Good stuff. Um, okay, these books here. So uh, in volume one, like I kind of alluded to earlier, we do get how boys origin story uh we pick up in the midst of world war ii uh and there's a group of nazi scientists that are looking into some kind of occult ritual uh and yeah rasputin is there with them kind of lading them on um and they are trying to summon some kind of beast some kind of demon they're not sure exactly what's gonna happen they're just like we're here to find out we're fucking around and we're here to find out Mm. um and meanwhile uh the the allied powers are also trying to stop the nazis they have their own version of captain america in this book which i don't think i knew existed yeah um so that was interesting um and yeah, they're they're kind of where they expected the Nazis to be, and they're not really there. But something still materializes in front of their eyes, and it's little itty bitty baby Hellboy. Um, Truly so a boy. Cute. Yeah, he is. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say, I love Hellboy as a concept. You look at the drawing of the man, or like Ron Perlman playing him on screen, or whatever. You just look at him and you know that his name is Hellboy. You're like, I have no further questions. I understand this completely. That's a Hellboy. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And uh, so he is kind of taken in by I'm terrible with names as usual. What's the doctor's name? Yeah. Dr. Broom. Um, He's kind of taken into his care and raised up. Uh, and kind of, I guess, from a young age, trained to be a BPRD a- a- agent, which is uh, an a- agency that goes to investigate the paranormal. Um, the Bureau for Paranormal Research and Defense. Yeah. Um, and they are both like like studying this stuff and destroying it in in case like monsters are destroying certain towns mm. or the town has an outbreak of vampirism or something like that right they often have to end up fighting these monsters or destroying them or somehow covering it up um and that's that's kind of hell boy in a nutshell yeah uh, but <laughs> yes. we, we get to meet uh, Abe Sapien. Uh, we, we get to meet the 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 usual gang here, um, and they they start to go off on adventures. But uh, in this third volume in particular, we do get a handful of adventures, kind of in between uh, what happens yeah. in vo- volumes one and two. 
and it's different stories about him uh like tr- like there's someone who needed help and they're they say their b- baby is not who their baby mm. usually was what happened with my little, little child usually yeah you know <laughs> he just he changed something happened it's um, a changeling is the name of that creature sure uh and so hellboy has to investigate and ends up on this quest to bury a dead guy at one of these churches around the area hilarity and hose all that good stuff uh or you have to like he he's he's looking at like werewolves in a town that has been t- trying to keep a secret for a long long time uh some real f- 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 fun and interesting uh sh- short stories here um with with these but that's kind of it for these first three volumes um did I did did you want to add anything to that that I kind of missed or glossed over? Um, I he's Hellboy and he just Hellboy's around. Oh, so he's Hellboy. <laughs> Got it. Thanks. I missed that. I, now I, I understand. <laughs> there are sometimes when we read or watch something for this podcast where I I. Engage with it on a surface level, not because it is not deep, but because I only have limited resources. <laughs> like I read a comic book like in bed b- before I go to sleep every night and maybe I'm, I'm on my like last 20% of energy for my day before I go to sleep. So if I ever don't remember things or like reduce it to the barest concept, that's me. And that's not the story. That's, that's... The story is strong. We've also just like scratched the sur- surface here of Hellboy. Yeah, Boy, so I'm gonna have a lot more to say next month. We have a lot to learn, indeed. But uh, that's kind of the purpose of this j- 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 journey, right? We ha- haven't r- read these; we only have a passing f- f- familiarity, um, and so we are discovering Hellboy. So, good mm. stuff. Good stuff, indeed. Uh, Well, let's take a quick break for housekeeping. And when we come back, we will start diving into these comics a little bit more in depth here. So we will be right back. Here at The Whatnots, we make multiple different shows. And a lot of hard work goes into making them. So we would love it if you check them all out. If you enjoy our shows, patreon.com slash The Whatnots is the best place to show your support. For just a dollar a month, you can get early access to episodes and at our $3 tier, a Patreon-exclusive podcast, The Pilots Club. You can even get a shout-out and thank you on most of our shows at the $5 tier. And if you're one of our patrons already, thank you so much. It means the world to us. You can find out more information on our website, thewhatnots.com, as well as your favorite podcasting platform of choice. When you type in The Whatnots, all of our shows will pop up right there. Just don't forget to give us a nice rating and review if you like the shows. You can also find us on YouTube and Twitch for video versions of the shows, trailer reactions, and live streams. And lastly, we have merch. If you want to grab yourself a shirt or a hoodie or a mug or something else, head over to thewhatnots.com store to pick up some merch today. All right, and we are back. 
once again, a big shout out to our Patreon supporters. We thank you a lot. We love you tons. Thank you. It means a lot. Uh, over on the Pilots Club, our Patreon-exclusive podcast, this past month we got to talk about Veronica Mars, uh, but this month here in September, uh, or I guess next month, this is end of August, but in September, uh, we will be talking about wedding time. Did I get the... Emphasis on the right word there, winning time, <laughs> not winning yeah, time. Yeah, not winning time. Yes. Winning time. Uh, this is the HBO, uh, I guess, like reenactment dark comedy. I don't know if it's actually a comedy. I It's all about the <laughs> Lakers in the 80s uh, and their like rise to prominent, prominence. Uh, Magic Johns and all that good stuff, but yeah, I've I've heard it's more comedic than you might expect, but it's also like a, it's it's not a documentary, but it is a dramatization <laughs> of that stuff. But I've heard it's funnier than Wait, you think it is. We we gotta stop know. trying to describe Pilots Club concepts before we've actually watched the pilot. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they're intrigued now. They're like, oh, I thought this was like a serious sports documentary. <laughs> And you're, you're, you think you're, you're you might have like, heard something about what the tone is? I gotta <laughs> listen. <laughs> the tone. It's different, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's good stuff. We have a blast on that show. Uh, that's the Pilots c- c- Club. Uh, right here on the review show this past week, we got to talk about an audio fiction podcast called Mockery Manor. And we covered season one of that. Uh, it takes place in the late 80s, early 90s in this uh, kind of horror-themed theme park. Uh, and uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, I actually started following Longcat Media. He made the show on all of our social medias. They started following us back, which was amazing. Oh, so thank you to them. I left them a nice note being like, we had so much fun. Thank you. And now we're excited to check out more of your shows. Um, so, yeah, go go check out Mockery Manor if you want some murder mysteries happening in a theme park. Um, yeah so yeah that was fun uh over on the captain's log uh we got to talk about uh our thoughts on blue beetle melissa's lonely voyage with uh the (laughs) demeator she went to go see the last voyage of the demeator literally by herself uh yeah (laughs) not another soul in the theater i saw like one disinterested person at the box office that entire Amazing. night at the theater. That's the theater I'm going to today. So I'm really excited to see it livened up with a full National Cinema Day crowd. Cool. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, and then over on the reactor, uh, we still have our trailer reaction up to The Continental, the John Wick spinoff, uh, the three-part Peacock series, I believe. I, th- I think that's happening. We still this have it up. Month here. It's, it it's didn't still go up back there. in the vault. Go check it out. <laughs> still Do you there, guys. Watch a reaction to an old trailer. Do you want to know what we thought of the trailer for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness? You still, still can. Still there. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, so I think that is about housekeeping for right now, uh, which means let's get into spoilers. There we go. Spoilers for Hellboy. Melissa, where do you want to start with this? Was there, was there something that stood out, uh, a certain bit that you were like, I really enjoy this, or art that uh, you were like, man, this is so good? I want to talk about the concept of pulp. I look at this and I know it is pulpy, but mm. I don't know how to define pulp. It's that pornography theorem where I don't know what it is, but I know it when I see it. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I, so I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think this go, go, goes right along with what we were talking about earlier of there just, there's just so many influences, so many references. Yeah. Cause I thought the exact same thing as I was writing this, I was like, this feels like I'm on some kind of pulpy adventure. Um, sometimes the n n n narration that Hellboy had was like, this feels like a noir detective story. This is yes. interesting. This is fun. And uh, that's that's the flavor it has more than anything else. You keep describing it as an adventure. And I don't know if that's exactly, maybe we, the audience, are on an adventure, but I don't think Hellboy sure, and his pals yeah. feel that way. They're just like, this is work. We got to go in. It, it's it's a case we have to solve. I'm, I'm angry that this wizard keeps monologuing. I just want to punch him with my big fist and get out of the spooky <laughs> manor. Like, it is more matter-of-fact procedural and lends itself more to feeling like a detective story as opposed to, like, a, a swashbuckler or a treasure hunter. Yeah, because he's, he's, he's often sent in to investigate of just, like, what is happening here at this town, mm -hmm. right? And so he has to go and kind of take a look around and talk to people be like hey what's what's going on here what what happened um and that yeah usually gives him a clue to go here to this other location investigate the church talk to this certain person who seems to be real shady and then maybe he'll be like but hey i'm a demon and they're like oh no a demon i'm actually a werewolf now let's fight right <laughs> um so yeah, there there is this like sense of mystery uh, in all of these, which I know I really enjoy because I like crime mm. stuff a yes. lot. So this this sense of mystery is just like what is happening here. Um, but pulpy stuff, like I, I my like go to example is like Doc Savage. Yeah, right. Uh, but e e even then, I I think. Pulpy also kind of refers to the kinds of books, the the the, the kinds yeah. of paper that it was printed on. This really cheap, like like mm. you can see the pulp in the paper. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was just these kind of like not off offbeat, but just kind sensational, of sensational, readily available too. Yes, right. Yeah, Anyone yeah, could kind of make them so it wasn't necessarily right. a, a sign of quality. It's like, ooh, a new pulp yeah. novel, right? right? Right, just flashy, accessible, sensational, very strong feelings. Like they're very scary or very lusty or very something. And it j just there to like grab at you. Yeah. And I like, 
I, I think this also has that just in the the sensationalist kind of like, oh, there's Nazi experiments and this guy's brain is yes. in a jar and now there's some right. daemon in a weird iron shoes or something like that, right? <laughs> it's just like it, every page you, t- you turn feels like something new and exciting. Um, yeah. But he, the the way that Mignola also like brings in just these very very dark I- I- inks, right? The like just lots of black, and then these mm. ca- not mm, not muted t- 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 no. t- tones, but like it's not so bright a red that you you're like, oh, that is like candy apple red, Ferrari red. You're like, no, that's I- Hellboy red, right? It's darker. Yeah. It's a the, darker the purple, art, darker brown, darker green. Yeah. The art is the most outstanding thing about these books. I it's so recognizable and like so consistently purposefully applied, but still like every chapter or so I'd like take a second and really look at it like this thing is wild. This is what the book looks like. Like it never loses the effect that it has on you. It never gets like tired and familiar. Like, right. Big dark shadows. I know where are we going? Like the shadows are so consistently striking. Yeah. Something I was thinking about too. Speaking of these shadows is that like Inkers can can ink their 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 stuff in many different ways to give certain effects to these these pages and something I I I think about is is when you see more of like a painterly style and you get to yes. see some of the brush strokes or even if it's like classic comics and you see the like little hatch marks coming yeah. out of the 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 shadows it's meant to kind of give you a a sense of volume or shading like or that mm. like there might be something in those shadows and it's neat to kind of in- interpret what you think is in these shadows but these shadows that Mignola has here are just pitch black like there is not any kind of scratchiness or like brush Mm -hmm. strokes in them they are just 100 percent black yes there's no mid-tones there's no transition points it is light or it is dark which 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 means in terms of lighting that's it like it's really harsh stark lighting but to me, it almost makes those shadows scarier. Yes. Because you really have no idea what's in yeah. there. You, 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 you can't int- like interpret or speculate what you think is in there. It's just, it is mm. unknown, period. This reminded me of the one prose book we've ever read on the review show, House of Leaves. How that book describes the just infinite impenetrable blackness of that void within the house this is the only thing i've ever seen with my eyes that gives me the same feeling as reading house of leaves right like you you think your eyes would adjust to the light and you can kind of see some stuff in there but nope just pitch black 
That's yes, yes. Nothing and, else. And everywhere, everywhere you go. And of course, they, you can imagine they are trafficking in shadowy dark places, haunted mansions, woods, old castles and things. But like even in just an caves, office yeah. setting. Yeah. These deep, intense shadows where like half your face is this sort of brightly lit, stark, uh, fearful image. And the other half is just pure shadow. And he draws everybody with these big eyes, like a lot of the human characters, because there are Hellboy and Abe and a number of non-human characters. The humans have got these sort of big round eyes that always make them look haunted, regardless yeah. of who they actually are, Absolutely. what their situation is. Like somebody who's just has like a weird thing happening at their house or a seasoned BPRD agent. Their eyes are sort of drawn with the same sort of big open uh, fear to them yeah absolutely um yeah the art art as as we all know is spectacular uh in, yeah. in this and that's that's like also partly what's so amazing is that i i, I know as an artist i'm sure Mignola can look back at some of the stuff he's done and just been you know been like eh, i don't like that panel or i would have fixed this this one thing but i think to most consumers of this story it's so uniform yes. it just from start to wherever we are now in hell hell boy it has the exact same look and i, I it's just man it yeah that's wild that he, it has that what consistency a, yes what a choice what a force of nature is the story of hellboy and how it is presented to you and the the sort of blocky bluntness of the artwork lends itself to feeling like an old woodblock print sure like you described other comics as looking painterly this one looks like i carved it and and made a print of it uh, which also lends to the historical sort of folklore aspect of a lot of the stories it's telling. Like yep. the way Hellboy is drawn, it makes him feel like as ancient and primal and like whispered about in shadows a force as Baba Yaga is. Yeah. Even the idea of like carving something out is almost yeah. more hemister right and yes dark then like let me get some paper and i'll draw it right and mm. yeah there is it's something it feels physical in a weird way yes. um which i think has a certain weight to the the paper um yeah for and like there's no the art. yeah there's no gloss we've read other comics that i think look glossy they look shiny there's like color gradients and highlights and like artificial lens flares and things like that which can serve other stories very well but how this book looks is so specific to exactly what it is hellboy would not be hellboy if he was drawn in any other manner yeah even the like cover gallery uh at the end of these volumes um which which we read all days on Comicsology Unlimited, uh, yeah, it, it, like it's neat to see other artists 
do like you've seen on social media or stuff to like draw this in your own style thing and Mm -hmm. you you know they'll take some artwork and redraw some character or some iconic scene from some anime or something like that it's neat to see other people drawing hellboy but you're right often it's like it's not Hellboy though, right? Like I, it's not. It's not what I want fu- from from Hellboy, which is Mike Mignola. <laughs> right. The cover, uh, the cover galleries are fun. It is interesting to see at least the ideas of him encountering other monsters and creatures just for the one striking image of a cover. Like I think there's mm-hmm. one where he's fighting like a, a a selkie or something like that some sort of murderous mermaid which looks very cool or him fighting some sort of like a, a samurai ghost or spirit i right, like just yeah. these little glimpses into all these things that feel like i'm certain that is a hellboy adventure we just haven't read yet like you can see this character doing anything yeah absolutely absolutely it's it's also funny to see characters at a distance where like there's this sort of blocky heft to the artwork when you see them in the distance there's like these little like lines where their feet just come down to points yep (laughs) it's very funny like being used to the physical presence of ron perlman on screen and then you look at the comic and hellboy has these like little goat feet (laughs) like his feet are so they're not lie felt small but it's funny (laughs) after me seeing Ron Perlman in probably giant boots or something. I don't remember specifically, but not this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, man, I see. What else can I say about the the art here that I really enjoy? It's just, man, it's just, it's a, it's a blast to, to dig into. Like, even if you are, like, I, I remember when I was younger looking at my dad's comics and that's exactly it. I would just look at the comics. I wouldn't even read the stories or stuff like that, but just like be in awe of the the artwork and and stuff like that. I feel like Hellboy is a comic that really lends itself to that in a weird way. Mm-hmm. Like I I, I feel yeah. like it, you 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 don't even need to read the stories to know what they're about and get the vibe that is Hellboy, um, which is neat. I also, if, if, if I could kind of segue to the like stories and the writing mm. a, a little bit, something else that I thought was really neat is in the third volume, when he's doing all of the short stories, there is like, he would have, um, like short little like paragraph long introductions yeah. to each one. Like, I really I like those. In, in this time, here's what I was thinking. Um, yeah, and he had one that really struck me, and this was his his like Christmas uh one, and he said exactly that. He was like, all of a sudden, it struck me. I don't have a Christmas story for Hellboy. And that stuck with me because I think I think about characters differently. Like if I were to come up with an original character, I feel like I need to weave together 
what their story arc is, what their whole mm. life is, right? What this big, long, continuous story is. And I, I, I don't know if Mignola was thinking about Hellboy in that way. It mm. seems like, at, at, at least from that one small snapshot of, and then it hit me. I didn't have a Hellboy Christmas story. Like, he's still mm. in the early stages of Hellboy here, and he's being like, I need a Hellboy for all seasons, right? For it's just like it. It really does lend itself to a character of this like legendary status, this mythological status of like, oh, there was this one time, right? And then you can just create what whoa whatever story you want right um i often put batman up in that category yes. of just like there was this one time this one dark night yes and batman did yeah. xyz right and you're just like yep that right. makes sense that fits absolutely Same he did that for Hell, Hellboy. <laughs> uh, just like and then one christmas Hellboy showed up right um one of my favorite of the short stories from that third volume, uh, which I might recommend is like the first volume for a person to start with if they just want a little taste of Hellboy. I think having all sure. of those shorter stories was a really fun sampler platter of everything that the character and the world can be. Sure. One of yeah. them is a story that Mike Mignola says he wrote two pages at a time to be serialized in like Dark Horse Presents or something like that. He tells mm-hmm. a lot about the format in which each of these stories was to be published in some in some publication outside of like a standard monthly issue or what have you. And he's like, so I it's two pages at a time. So I wanted every two pages there to be some like interesting twist in events and reading the whole story put together like that. I don't know if I would have picked up on that structure specifically if I hadn't been told about it. But it does give that story, which is the one about the changeling baby. And then as some sort of a a deal, a bargain with these uh, fairy forces, Hellboy is to take this like corpse of some sort of uh, a little gnome or brownie or I, I don't know the taxonomy of all of the types of fairy folk. But he is to take one and like bury it somewhere. And he goes to all of these different graveyards and all of them have like skeletons. They're like, no room, no room. And he's like, great, fine, I'll go to the next one. (laughs) And that story's got such a fun, lively pacing that the other stories don't, which isn't a a fault of them. It's just that they've got that sort of slower, slow burn noir. More monologuing, more exposition. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I think that was also my favorite of the short stories, um, mm-hmm. because it like for for a number of reasons. Yeah, there is always something happening, and it just kind of moves along with this pace that is exciting, right? There's always something happening, um, and 
On top of that, it feels very much like a quest that you would see in a video game. Mm. Something like The Witcher or something like that where you go to a town and you meet some NPC that's like, Oh no, my baby! It's not my usual baby! What happened? Yeah. Uh, And then you have to like go investigate and uh, yeah, you get tasked with like, here's a dead guy. Go bury him at one of these castles and whatever route you pick it's always the last one that you Mm. go to right and that's the one you bury him in um so it, it like it it felt like another thing that i really enjoy i like video games a lot uh but then yeah with this like Every two pages, something is happening. It felt mm. it in in the way that some of these villain monologues are are just packed with references to things or multiple names of a certain character. Like you are Hecate, you are this, the Moon, you are blah 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 blah. Um, it it felt like it was packed with mysteries or we- weird things to visually look at rather than read the words of, uh, mm. which also oddly fits. Like I I I like this idea of hell. I like the idea of hell boy investigating something. And just kind of having to gloss over these other, like, yeah. side eye, right. really <laughs> weird things of, like, what is happening here? You know what? I, I can't focus on that right now. I have a right. You're right. Which is lends itself to the short story where, like, the homunculi comes back. It's like, right. Homunculi might be the the plural of it. There's only one. There is a single homunculus. It's like, who's the dude with that homunculus that, like, Liz touched and gave it her fire powers? You're right. It's like, we we don't have room to deal with that. We gotta fight Rasputin. I I can't think about a homunculus right now. Maybe that'll come back in a further Hellboy adventure. Yeah, and it, like, I I think that also lends to some of the, the... bureaucracy of the bprd Mm. that i'm sure we'll get more into down the road of just like what are their procedures what are their protocols when things happen like this and yeah because it it just it it feels like him just being like i'm here on a job i just want to get paid (laughs) and get get over with that i cannot deal with some strange floating rock right i just we're moving on. Let's go. I, yes, that's not in my remit. That wasn't in my job description. <laughs> You'd pay me to deal with big rock. I, I, that is something I like about Hellboy is that he's he has a job. He works for a company. It would feel very different if he was like a one man crusader who sought out problems that he he felt like he could solve. Instead, he is just assigned to go do things. And he's got these teammates. Uh, I like that you can always add new people to the mix that way. Mm-hmm. We know Abe Sapien and Liz Sherman from the movies, but there's that folklore professor. I think Katie Corrigan was her name. Mm-hmm. I don't remember her from any of the movies. Maybe she was there and I just fell out of my brain. Gonna have to rewatch those. But I, 
I like the potential that he could meet all these different people within his working life and have different relationships with each of them. And it lends to the sort of hard-boiled, bedraggled quality to Hellboy that he's like, I didn't ask to be here, but this is my job. And I know, I know I am good at it. I know I am the person you send to deal with this. So just let me deal with it, please. Yeah. And, and like, I, I, I mentioned Lobster Johnson earlier. I have no Mm. idea who Lobster Johnson is or what his whole deal is, but I I know know he exists within the world. Right. Yes. I can't. I know one of my brothers has explained him to me. I can't recall who he is or what he looks like, but you picked up something that was lodged in the back of my brain. The name Lobster yeah. Johnson. Absolutely. And 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 like that, I, I think, lends its, it, it, especially since Hellboy has been a- active since World War II, basically, mm-hmm. or, or just sh- shortly after, because he had to do some g- g- growing up. Um, yeah. Like... It lends itself to like who who were the the kind of paranormal teams yeah. either before him or working alongside him while he's in you know Eastern Europe who's over there in Japan or who's over here in the United States and and stuff like that he can come across those characters or have one kind of adventure with them and then they go off and do their own own thing and then you can read the lobster johnson comics over here if you want to know more Mm. and yeah i i I think that's also just the like okay i'm on my job i need to do this one thing right i i I can't deal with everything um Mm. but yeah, I en- enjoy all of that. The last thing that I will say about the story about the changeling baby uh, thing is I also just like the the, the kind of stupidity of Hellboy, like, lugging around this dead body and just getting stuck with with him. And he's just like, when can I sleep? Like, I want to go. I'm dead. What's happening? Um, he's just like, ah, just shut up. I'm trying to bury you. Right. Right. Um, and it's, yeah, he has to carry him on his back. This, this corpse is like whispering in his ear, just hollering at him. And he, are we he there smells. <laughs> right. It's, it's the opposite of aspect. Monty Python, right? It's the like, bring out your dead. I'm not dead yet. And he's just like, oh, right. I'm so dead. Like, when are you, when, when are we going to be done? <laughs> I just want to sleep. <laughs> the opposite of that (laughs) another great thing about hellboy is due to his sheer physical size he will have to carry other characters yep absolutely absolutely um man yeah uh i i i think yeah to to go back even further then and talk a little bit more about the rasputin stuff um i I, I think part of why, at least for you and me, why it hasn't stuck as much as I was kind of hoping is because mm-hmm. of also what we've been praising it for, right? It has such a distinct and unique identity mm. from the get that the world already feels complex and multi-layered and we're kind of jumping in and it feels like 
it feels like there's some history here that I don't know and I don't yes. understand at all, right? Um, and I, I think that's actually a good thing. Um, and I'm I'm sure we will kind of return mm. back to this story or these characters and what it means and what it meant and how it affects everyone. And I think all of that will become more and more clear uh, mm. as we go on um but yeah was was there stuff with the whole rasputin uh stuff that that stood out to you and hellboy's or origin i i think it's cool that he's here to take this mysterious figure from history who is from like real tangible history like he lived like a hundred years ago we have photos of the man he's not like a folklore character but he lived such a preposterous life that he has become folklore like just what was that guy's deal who was he and so there's a lot of room where you can can fictionalize this and make him a foe in your pulp horror story i do remember from the various movies i think this is in the ron perlman ones and the david harbour one as well the the idea that hellboy was created was manifested for some dark infernal purpose that he denies he does not want to live up to he likes his life how it is he doesn't want to be anything else than the hellboy that he's been and the the concept of him being able to grow these magnificent horns and he's like no i cut him off i break him off i've just got these like nubs these like little lego dots on my forehead is how we live this is my mark of i have chosen my own destiny and i'm not a monster i am the person who investigates monsters yeah i like that that is a pervasive that anytime you're dealing with hellboy that's a major theme it's here in these books i've seen it in the movies before i know that and i i like that story destiny avoiding destiny stuff mm-hmm. like that can you make your own but uh now i just have an image of someone at the bprd like 3d printing a giant lego slowly (laughs) trying to stick it on his head (laughs) just see him like just straight faced like look over with this big old lego block on his head (laughs) there's a note from mike mignola when we see Hellboy with the full horns and then you see him break them off that apparently up until then people didn't realize like what those dots on his head were. Right. I'm like, yeah. I don't, maybe because my first introduction to Hellboy was with the Guillermo del Toro movie and to see it in 3d that reads a lot more clearly that these were horns once, or they were supposed to be horns, but they are shorn down to these mm-hmm. little nubs like, I never thought of, oh, if you're just seeing a drawing of this man for the first time, that doesn't make sense to you what that is. That has to be explained. Yeah. Um, which is an interesting reveal, too, right? Because this also, like, despite what I just said, that, like, oh, hell boy Christmas story. He's a character that can have all these adventures. You just Mm. say one time Hellboy did this, right? And it makes sense. I think this idea, like, this concept of breaking off his horns and filing them down, all of that stuff is kind of a a hint at a much 
bigger story arc, right? There is there there actually is this overall plot that I did also kind of say like he's not a character that does that, or that's how I would have thought of my original character. Um, so I it like he has both, I guess, and. It's just nice, like, it's nice to know that it, it's going to be paced out um, mm. or or in, like, a, a format that's maybe similar to, like, a sitcom or something. They keep alluding to some, like, thing that will happen down the road, but they never really get to mm-hmm. it. I don't know, right? Um Yeah, it's just, it's interesting to see because I, I, that's something I, I don't know if that's happened in Hellboy's history. Have they dealt with that destiny, that purpose definitively? And have they moved on? Or is that still kind of looming overhead down the road? That's something I, I don't know. Yeah, I I do like the idea that anybody, any sort of supernatural force could come for Hellboy at any time and like try and call upon what he is meant to be yeah yeah um scary thought for sure i want to mention briefly one one panel that i took a photo of i don't have a screenshot on my tablet so i take a photo of my tablet with my phone but there (laughs) is a short story that's sort of uh a hello boy origin story where he goes to this like uh, to run down abandoned like ruins of an old church and sort of uh, here's the story of like a a nun who like made a deal with the devil and that's supposedly where he was born from those are supposedly his parents so he's sort of walking around contemplating his origin story and that story is told through the format of he's writing a letter back home to ape while he's like uh-huh. off on this trip he's telling these things to ape in the letter Nice that they're just friends who write each other letters. They're not only yeah. co-workers. I thought that Pen was pals. sweet. Yeah. Pen pals from hell. <laughs> <laughs> so the letter ends. That's what I saw. Uh, did I learn anything? I don't know. Maybe. Can't say it made my day. Do me a favor. Let's keep this between us for now. All right? Okay. On a lighter note, I hear there have been new sightings of the West Virginia Mothman. There might be something to look into for a while. I dearly love to see a Mothman. Take care, HB. <laughs> That's how I'm going to sign off all letters now. I dearly love to see a Mothman. Take care. Peace. Well, so Wilkinson is out of the office. She dearly love to see a Mothman. Take care. We'll respond to your email on Monday. Out of the office, hunting for moth, and take care. The the concept of Hellboy saying dearly is also very funny. Yeah, I mean, that was something that I kind of remember from the movies, is that he does have this crush on his co-worker, um, right? And there, there is this kind of, like, romantic, uh, you know, storyline. Yeah, story was, which we haven't gotten yet in these comics. I was waiting for that to get started, uh, and I was like, is the Hellboy and Liz Sherman romance, is that mainly, like... And reading this, I'm like, is this just not in here yet? Or is it something like Guillermo del Toro really wanted to do? And that's how it became part of those movies. I I don't know yet. We're going to learn. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, like I I I I like this idea of humanizing these characters because um, that's like I, I I just feel like like the relationship between him and Abe and that that friendship they have g- g- going mm-hmm. him breaking off his horns like he has these these things that give him this real kind of relatability or just in 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 these like grand scale things like oh i'm pen pals with this underwater creature and i'm (laughs) my real purpose is to like destroy all of existence Mm -hmm. and my like all that stuff but it, it it's it's these smaller things the decisions that he makes that like makes him feel much more like a well-rounded character rather than just this like force of nature that works Mm. for the bprd that hunts these monsters um so i'm i'm looking forward to more of that Uh, that's something i hope we get more of yeah there's a lot of angles you can have here i was thinking that it's interesting the makeup of the BPRD that we have these like human, like soldiers and military operatives. You have these, these creatures like Hellboy and Abe. And then you have Liz, who's a, a human who just has pyrokinesis. And I don't know if there's a full story on that. I don't know if this is a world of X-Men type mutants where some people just have powers. Like what's that origin? Uh, how do people feel about her? As of yet, there's no, sense of animosity between the BPR between these different types of agents. Maybe there's interpersonal things like I don't, I don't like my boss, he's annoying, but there's not like Ugh, these humans horning in on monster territory or humans being like I don't like that you make me work with these monsters. Seems like they are at large a united front against the greater evils of the world. So far, yeah. that that may change. Who knows? Who knows? Indeed, uh, I so I I kind of mentioned that yeah I want to see more of the like smaller character moments. Is is there there stuff uh, that was not in these first th- three books that you're hoping to see down the road as we continue I, reading? Maybe oh, not wait. hoping to see, but just expecting to see like things sure. I remember from the movies like the romance with him and Liz and there was a more of an emphasis placed on his relationship with his adopted father that Mm. is one of the first things we get in in the first volume but it doesn't seem to linger any any sorts of feelings he has about the loss of this this man who took him in and raised him so I wonder if we're getting more of that yeah um I I would like to see them kind of be a team um in a, yeah. a sense like we we've mentioned all of these characters and we've seen them work together on a mission but i really do want to get a better sense of the team and the team dynamics um because especially once you start to bring in these the these kind of character moments that i keep talking about that I keep talking about 
it can kind of affect how you view the team, and right? And if mm. someone ends up mad at someone else, then the yeah. next time they go on a mission, you're like, uh-oh, but Abe is mad at this. How's that mm. going to affect it, right? And there's there's a bigger sense of stakes outside of, up oh, the B- Baba Yaga's back again yeah. with uh, a giant army of z- zombies or who knows what, right? It's It's, man, something might go wrong on their side um Mm. so i i want that i do want more uh like inside the bprd and how that organization works uh like i i do want more of that side of things something else that i remember i liked from the movies um was also uh getting to see Hell, always like living space. Him and all the the kittens kittens and stuff like that. Yeah, Um, that is one of the most memorable things about that first movie to me, which is the intro where I think you see like the the summoning of Hellboy or whatever, and then there's that photograph of like all of those soldiers and and military operatives and and occult experts, and then like little baby Hellboy. And there's this like text on the screen that says, this is Hellboy. He was summoned in this year and he is now an agent for the BPRD, et cetera, et cetera. He likes television and candy. (laughs) (laughs) Like they humanize him off the bat. He feels very much like a real person. Uh, And he certainly does here in the comics too. But yeah, getting to see him in his downtime where he lives Yes. What his interests are that aren't he, uh, fighting various schools. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, what else? What else? There was something else that I had in mind that I would have liked more of. Um, I don't remember. Any particular. I, say. I don't know. Any monsters or creatures or elements of folklore that you hope we get to run into in these future volumes? Oh. Any favorite uh, cryptids? Well, that kind of reminds me of something else. So I like because I don't have an extensive knowledge of Hellboy. One of the words that I keep going back to, or one of the descriptors of Hellboy that I keep going back to, is Lovecraftian. Right? That's how I've mm-hmm. always described Hellboy. Um, and what I thought was interesting is that in at least these first two. F- words that I read that was reflecting on how and his influences, his impact on uh, on comics. Not once did they use the word Lovecraftian, mm. except to actually say H.P. Lovecraft. Yes, um, and like name him as a person. Uh, mm-hmm. And I like I thought that was really really interesting because like that to me was just like. I don't know much about Hellboy, so that's what it seems like to me. It seems Lovecraftian, like you'll fight some giant monster with tentacles, some Cthulhu-like thing. But they kept mentioning Jack Kirby, and I was like, huh. Yeah, yeah. I I guess they're right. Like, that makes sense, this, like, wild sense of imagination and Mm -hmm. just the way these characters are drawn. They're so distinct and yeah like yeah it was was just like i was not expecting you to mention jack kirby but now that you do i can see that and 
I just I, you haven't mentioned Lovecraft once. I guess I, I don't know exactly what I, all is in these pages I, here. What's happening? Lovecraft it means cosmic horror and that's not purely like the look of various monsters it's not just the existence of a monster but it's the existence of a a a being that is so ancient or so large or so omnipotent it's so extreme in a regard that your brain like can't handle it you know you're looking at something that you were never supposed to look at like it's this sort of psychological like madness like that goes hand in hand with here's a bunch of tentacles in that regard and i'm not feeling as much of that cosmic horror here there are these big larger than life creatures i love when they do have to fight the the homunculus that grows stories and stories tall just this like massive thing that they have to escape from like causing earthquakes and breaking up the ground sometimes you get things that are kind of on the scale of that but the emotion isn't there. It's still the more grounded, noir, I'm here to solve a mystery, I'm yep. here on a case <laughs> sort of approach to it. Yeah. Uh, two things that I want to see, uh, to go back to your c- question, mm-hmm. uh, some, something intangible. Like, I, I want to see oh. him face off against something that he cannot punch, right? Which is the thing that we, we were like, just shut up. I just want to punch you and get this over with, right? Mm. Like, I want to see him deal with more, like, hauntings and stuff yeah. like that. Which I know, I think he mentioned, he was like, he knew the priest in the one short story with the wolves uh, that they worked on in exorcism together. Uh, which that is a l- still a little bit more mm. tangible since it's a possession, mm. but still um, something like that. I would also like to see him investigate something that's a hoax, right? Something ah. that is not actually some kind of monster or demon or werewolf or zombie or who knows what it's just a normal person it's right just trying to scare people or keep them off of some kind of treasure or something like that and it just kind of all this big hullabaloo just kind of turns out to be not much right um and see how he reacts with that stuff um and and then yeah to see how because I, I think even in that first Hellboy movie, like the opening scene is like right there in that subway, right? And he's there. There's normal people just c- mm. commuting to work or who, who knows what. And there's these monsters. Like I want to see how the rest of the world kind of reacts to him and not these like smaller European towns out in the middle oh, of sure, nowhere yeah. that also that all, that all have some kind of dark secret. Um, they're all yes. secretly vampires or stuff, right? Like yeah. what does Joe Schmo think as he's just sipping his coffee and sees <laughs> this big red monster run, run mm. by and he's just like, mm. You will never guess what I saw today. Yeah, right? what is what is the public's <laughs> knowledge of the BPRD? Is it like, right. do they yes, know Hellboy exactly. specifically? He's a very specific man. Exactly. You see him once. 
<laughs> you, exactly, you know, exactly. Hellboy, it, it's literally his name, but it also feels like if you didn't know what his name was and you just had to describe him. Some kind of the, the Hellboy. I don't know what it was. <laughs> right? it was the only red. difference is you would say Hellman, Hellfella. <laughs> Some Hell dude. They met him when he was a boy and they called him Hellboy and the name persists regardless of his age. He's an <laughs> eternal boy. Uh, uh. I'm a big fan of the, the story of the golem from Jewish myth, which is this mm, yeah. large creature of clay, and you write what you want it to do on a little piece of paper and roll it up and, like, feed the scroll into its mouth, and then it comes to life and does your bidding. Yeah. I also really liked uh, this idea, uh, which I, I I think is a story that happens down the road. I don't know. I have my fingers crossed right now. Uh, this idea of a plague and in these first two volumes, we see this, like, plague of frogs. And he's just like, why are there so many frogs? <laughs> right? That was fun. Right? Like, I, I, I like that stuff where he's just kind of baffled by what's happening. Yeah. And it's not, like, some giant monster that he has to face. Yeah. It's just the sheer number of some mundane yes. thing that he has to I, overcome. Yes, exactly. Right? Mundane. Yeah. Like, it's... The sort of baffling, annoying things that come along with supernatural happenings that are, like, not scary in themselves. Like, you can imagine him fighting a ghost, and maybe the ghost is scary, but he's just so grossed out by all the ectoplasm that's everywhere, and he's like, now I have to deal with this. Now I'm sticky all the time. God, this is never coming out of this suit, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I'm hoping for. That's what I'm looking forward to. That's what I'm expecting. Um, but yeah, I don't know if I have much else to say on uh, Hellboy Volumes 1 through 3 here. I had a blast. I, I like these a yeah. lot. Good These will be nice to spend the fall with. Yeah. Indeed, indeed. Um, okay, let's see here. I'm going to pull up Bingo, which I don't Friend think... Bingo we have any update on this one either but i feel like by the end of this we might get some treasure map right we might get a villain with a pet or some kind of like cat and mouse game some locked room mystery who knows um but yeah i i I don't think we have a update for bingo Mm. this week but today we will next week hellboy Ooh, yeah Indeed, indeed. Okay, so we, when we do our end of the month specials, uh, we like to do our recommendations for the first time we cover something and the last time we cover something. So this is the first time we've covered Hellboy on this show. So Melissa, what are your recommendations for people that enjoyed this? What else might they like? I want to recommend the Dresden Files books by Jim Butcher. This is an urban fantasy series that has like 17 novels and like two sure. like hefty short story collections. There's I read all of these of that were. Yeah, I, I haven't even. There was a sci fi channel TV show for one season. There I think go. there was a tabletop role playing game. I read all the novels that were out back in 2018. I read 15 novels in a row. That was like all I did the whole year. Uh, These are books about uh, Harry Dresden, professional wizard. 
in a world where magic is real, where there are wizards who are who are trained, um, but they they sort of keep everything secret. Like people, should, like the everyday person, shouldn't know about this. It's just going to be a hassle. They're going to ask too many things. Like uh, it's going to get out of hand. We keep this on the down low. We keep this between our secret wizard societies. Harry Dresden works as a PI in contemporary Chicago. Mm-hmm. You can find him in the phone book and he will use his magic abilities to like do little odd jobs or things like you lost your wedding ring. I can find it for you. Magically, I can find this thing. Uh, and it starts where every book is a different case that he's working on in a very sort of hard boiled uh, noir vibe. Everything's written in the first person. You're inside his head. He's very frustrated. He's very tired. He's very snarky. They do exhaustion so well in the Dresden Files books. Interesting. Like okay. they really lean into this is a man. He's got incredible powers, but he is a man. He gets hungry. He gets tired. He gets, he gets angry. Lonely, he gets horny. Exactly. Like how he is feeling, like his physical and mental condition at any time has such an impact on like how he is working, how he is trying to solve a problem or fight a threat. And it, there's so much mythology. It like grows and grows to where, yeah, like the first like six or seven books are like a an individual case. But then it's like the wizard council needs you to do this thing to fight this foe. And it's like all mythology and like giant world end- ending battles. Like every book. Interesting. <laughs> halfway through. Uh, he fights a lot of, they're all recognizable mythological characters like a vampire a werewolf a necromancer a zombie etc etc but they get like very detailed into this is how this works in this story so you're not gonna have to learn a lot of complicated new things after i read all these books i tried going back to some high fantasy novels and i'm like this is too many entirely fictional things i'm not familiar with i want to go back to dresden files where it's like okay, I have to learn your rules for a vampire, but I know what a vampire is. Yeah, yeah. I I, I enjoy those books very much. Uh, pick one up. The first one is called Stormfront. Uh, they're quite popular. Like, go to your local, like, discount bookstore and, like, you can pick up an old paperback for, like, $4 or something. It's really cool. worthwhile. Uh, yeah, very interesting main protagonist and huge cast of very fun supporting characters. Which is one of the joys of a long-running series of, that guy's back! I remember him! I never thought we'd see him again! (laughs) If that's a feeling you like, you do get a lot of that throughout the Dresden Files. Cool. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, And this is, I guess, less of a recommendation and more of a, hey, this reminded me of. In the first story where they go to that dilapidated manor that's like falling into the lake. Mm-hmm. There's a panel of that manor that looked just like the painting House by the Railroad by Edward Hopper, who's the painter mm. of Nighthawks. Right. You know Nighthawks. We all do. But he's got quite a storied uh, collection beyond that. I've been watching a lot of YouTube videos on like art history lately. So like reading this, I thought of several painters <laughs> Good. Yeah. Go look at go look at some paintings. Uh, but Edward Hopper, not to this degree, uh, as with Mike Mignola's artwork, but has a lot of like 
very intense, striking shadows. Uh, yeah. Everything's very stark. Everything feels sort of lonely and eerie. And look up House by the Railroad and you'll see this is an image I know. Even if I've not seen this painting before, this feels like it is fed into this painting from 1925 went on to influence like the house in Psycho, the house where the Adams family lives and all of these things. And there is a video. Uh, there's a YouTube channel called Great Art Explained. And they cool. did a really fun video called Edward Hopper and Cinema that talks about this painter coming up during like the 19, like teens, 20s, 30s, during this rise of popular cinema and how that influenced him and how his art style influenced cinema in turn. And it's a really cool yeah. look at frames from a bunch of different movies that have pulled stylistically and structurally from Hopper huh. paintings. That's interesting. Okay. Mm. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, let's see here. Stuff I would recommend. Um, so, I, like, off the top of my head, there's a video game that I would love to recommend. Uh, one called Control. Mm -hmm. um, and this was a game that I really, really enjoyed. You are uh, you're showing up for your first day on the job at the Bureau of Control. And uh, what's interesting about the building is that only the people that are supposed to be there can see the building. Uh, they, the Bureau of Control investigates all of these, uh, like, paranormal events and stuff, um, specifically objects of power. Um, for example, maybe I give a bunch of power to this Mountain Dew Baja Blast that I have in my mm. hand, and it becomes this kind of paranormal uh, 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 oddity. Um, and then they will have to go and contain the Baja Blast and stuff like that. But you you get there to control, and it seems like everything has gone wrong. Uh, and you then have to, like, on your first day, have to, like, take over control of the Bureau of Control. You're now running the place. Uh, you are investigating, and there's just weird things happening all over. But it is the like paranormal investigation slash bureaucracy of the like BPRD that is also kind of like in control because you're in this big like government building. Um, so I would recommend that. Um, so something else I would recommend is Alan Moore's League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Oh, yeah. Comics. Um, I, man, I remember when the movie of that came out, which mm. is actually a fairly underrated movie. I, I mm -hmm. think it got slammed, uh, when it first came out, but it's not bad. Um, we had a whole era of these. I feel like Hellboy, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, Van Helsing. There's right. maybe like a, a six or eight year stretch of lots of sort of pulp supernatural tales like this. Absolutely. Um, but the the comics of League of Extraordinary G G Gentlemen, I forget who does the artwork on the, the, those, but um, the the art in, in 
a, a sense feels very much in conversation with Hellboy. Um, just in the way that they draw the characters, they do these like kind of darker flat colors. Um, mm. And then the, the stories that they t t tell as well as the characters that they pull in, right? It's Jekyll and Hyde. It's Dorian Gugaray, all sorts of stuff. So you have a, I was about to say, wacky group of characters, but I don't think that's the right Frankenberry, Count Chocula, Fruit I would read that too, you know? The League of Extraordinary Serials. Yes, absolutely. Make it happen. Um, but yeah, that I think also had kind of a similar darker tone uh, to it. Um, I would also, there's a Batman story called Batman Shaman um, that huh. was the first five issues of the Legends of the Dark Knight series. I think you can get that collected pretty easily um but it reads really really well in tandem with batman ye year one as batman shaman kind of takes place or the it majority of the story takes place just after the events of batman year one but they're flashing back to stuff that happened just before the events like right before he gets home uh to to g -g 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 gotham um and it it has this kind of similar uh like supernatural horror vibes to it there's uh batman or i guess not batman yet it's bruce wayne is on this expedition finalizing his training out in alaska uh, and something happens, he's hurt real bad, and he gets saved by this sh sh shaman uh, who tells him this story about this bat, 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 bat. Um, and it's like th this story is part of the reason that in Batman year one, when the bat flies through the window and he's like, it's an omen, is why he mm -hmm. recognizes it as an omen. He's like, this, I, I just heard this story. What's happening mm. here? Um, but yeah, I, I, I think that would be an interesting one to check out that I think gives a different side of Bruce Wayne Batman that uh, is more on, I, I, I want to say like gothic horror, but it's not gothic sure, horror. Yeah. But like that, that kind of like Hellboy mixes all kinds of like cosmic and gothic and pulp and noir and it just yeah it's all there in one one big uh one big ball ball of comics <laughs> so yeah that's what I would recommend um but yeah okay so for next week we already have what we are planning yeah. to do picked out so Melissa tell us about what we will be covering next week next week we're going to talk about season one of true detective true detective is an anthology series so season one is one contained story and then season two is a different story and season three is a different story i know this is huge 
this in the years since this has come out this is from like 2014 or something i have not seen it yet i really wanted to cross this off my list that was my theme of pitches last week tv shows i really feel like i should have seen by now crime edition uh yeah. and you made the wise choice decreeing out of everything i pitched you true detective must be seen yes absolutely uh, at the start of September, we like to do what we call shame timber. And while we usually pick movies, and we will do two what? like proper shame timber. Uh, yes, weeks yeah, after that's what uh, this. But this kind of counts too, right? Like it's it, it, yeah, it, yeah, a TV shame timber, truly, yeah. And then yeah, our second and third episodes in September will be you and I pitching each other lists of movies that are on our lists of shame, either culturally or very specifically to ourselves things that were like why have i not seen this before i i need to get one of these off of my list that's what these weeks in september are for uh and then the final week in september back to hellboy yeah we, we will be checking out hellboy volumes four through six uh at the end of september uh so be sure to check us out then too um if you want more hell blowing but yeah that i think kind of wraps us up for this week's podcast um i'm super excited about true detective i have seen this show i've watched all three seasons um but yeah if nothing else yeah season one has to be watched so uh, we'll get that. Who knows? We might come back to True Detective down the road at some point. Who knows? But um, yeah, True Detective season one for next week. That's on uh, Max, right? It's it's, yeah. it's up there. Uh, and it's only what, like eight episodes? Yeah. Long? Eight so. hours long. It's not a huge commitment. But it is a good one for sure. Uh, so yeah, with that, Melissa, where can the people find you on the internet? I'm at WilkieWit on places where you may find me. I've got a, a, a Twitter and Instagram I have not updated in, in very long. But friend me on Discord. I, Discord's how we do this. I'm always on a Discord. You can find me there. Uh, and listen to my other podcast, Saturday Morning Obscurities, which I host with one of my Hellboy-loving brothers, we talk about old kid shows you feel like only you remember. There you go. Good stuff. Uh, if you want to follow me, I am at Yo Kyle Springer on most of the social media places. If you'd like to stay up to date with all of the stuff that we do here at The Whatnots, we are typically at The Whatnots. Uh, if not that, then we will be at The Whatnots official. Uh, so yeah, go look us up. Uh, go like, share, subscribe. We got plenty more videos for you guys to check out if you're watching this on YouTube. Uh, but yeah, this has been number 268 of the Whatnots Review Show. We will see you 